Hello everybody, this is Mark Kumar, your lifestyle entrepreneur and proud founder of Simple Podcast Cloud. We are a podcaster. We are podcaster hosting company for podcasters for podcasters. So with us, you have one account. Again, I'm any everything unlimited, unlimited shows, pod, uh, your website hosting, as well as your episode, now whole nine yard. So we today have two awesome podcasters who's going to be sharing with you some amazing tips to keep take your podcasting game to the next level. So without any further ado, Nick, please take your time to introduce yourself and move on to Chris. Yeah. Hell yeah. What's up, everybody listening? Uh, my name is Nick. <clears throat> I'm the founder and CEO of Artist Public. Uh, if you haven't heard of Artist Public, Artist Public is a decentralized music platform for independent music artists. Um, and you know, over the past six months, we need to grow. Uh, me and Christian had the idea. We we're like, Hey, let's launch a podcast. Um, and so that's when we came up with the artist artist podcast. And really it's, you know, this unique podcast where it's just, a you know, us and a bunch of artists just sitting, hanging out, chatting, um, you know, kind of, you know, round table by the fire chats. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, I and mean, that's me. It's a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about the company behind the scenes. Pass over to you, Christian. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, well, I'm Christian Hunley. I am Artist Republic's Director of Content Development. Um, I am kind of the spearhead of our podcast, right? Uh, when Nick and I sat down, we were trying to figure out, you know, what format did we want to have it in? How did we want to show it um, to the world? And uh, I, I kind of took the, I took the lead on that. I took the creative lead. Um, part of my job, right, is the creative <laughs> content behind us. Um, so I took all the information that Nick and I came up with and I used it to create our podcast overall. And it's just uh, over the last, what, Nick, we started in April, I think. So I think so. I don't know how many months I can't count right now, but however many months uh, we've been doing it, it's just been getting better with each week. So. Awesome, man. That's 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 really cool. I think this whole pandemic thing have gotten the best out of us because we are able to create these amazing things, especially podcasting. The podcasting game definitely have took over. So I, I'm like so blessed that I have this opportunity to meet with so many amazing human beings and people and get to learn about their story. So tell me a little story about your company. What does it do? How can people take the full benefit off of it? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So I mean, so my my background was in the music industry. Um, I worked a lot in, you know, show industry and music marketing. Um, and through that, I discovered really how screwed up the independent music industry is. Um, and really how, you know, you know, sad it is to see a lot of these artists get screwed over by, you know, contracts or managers or, you know, record labels and stuff of that sort. Um, and so I, I came up with this idea of Artist Public, which really is a decentralized system. So the way it works is we provide pretty much every resource that an artist needs uh, to grow their career online, uh, you know, with no fees to join. So, you know, you join it, you pick your services that you want. So, you know, if you only want distribution, you're only paying for distribution. If you only want marketing, you're only paying for marketing. Um, and it, it enables a music artist to get the resources um, without, you know, kind of the BS, without the contracts, without the labels and the agencies or, you know, the people, um, because that's what makes it expensive. Um, you know, distribution is cheap, but, you know, what makes distribution companies so expensive is, you know, you're not paying 
just for distribution. You're paying to keep the lights on at the office. You're paying for their lunches and you know all the stuff that the company needs. Uh, so by creating a by creating a software and you know really delivering all these services, you're able to you know get those things that you know really the market rate of what they should be. Oh man, that is such a great service. I honestly I haven't known anybody who has a service. Obviously, and this right here is a great opportunity. So don't <laughs> mind me if I pick your brains out. You'll be like, oh, stop, Mark, stop. So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, All right, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited about this thing. So so. Person who doesn't know anything about music, music industry, right? Yeah. And somebody who's listening, they may not know anything about music industry. So, first of all, who would be your ideal client that you would like to have for your platform? Yeah. So, so right now, the ideal clients for us, um, you know, it ranges. Um, we're really targeting right now the artists in their first zero to five years of their career. Um, but over the time span, we plan to have, you know, any independent artist, whether you are. Jason Derulo or, you know, stuff of that size or whether you are, you know, way smaller than that. Um, the idea is to have a comprehensive, you know, toolkit. So you have something for everybody. You know, you have the super high tier expensive tools, but for the guys and, you know, girls out there that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off their independent careers. But you also have the cheap and affordable tools that, you know, are a couple bucks, but that can get those small results to help get you rolling. Okay, so what is it that let's just figure it out? Like for example, zero to ten. Ten being the guys like making million dollars, they want to take your plan, a plat platform, and go in. And somebody who's just starting out. So as a starting artist, a beginner artist per se or magician, what would they need to get their name out there? I guess. Yeah. So I mean, it's pretty simple. One of the most simple things is getting your music on streaming networks. Um, you know, for us, it costs five dollars to distribute your song. Um, so you pay five bucks, your song will be on every network. Um, and after that, it's like, all right, what are you doing next? Um, one of the mid-tier, you know, one of the kind of the low-tier things is, you know, we have uh, Spotify playlisting, um, so we can actually help you connect with curators. Um, and th that starts as cheap as a dollar. Um, but there's there's a caveat to that is playlisting is a submission-based system. Um, so the curators have the right to decline. So you still have to have good content. Um, and so that's what we're actually working on right now is, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes up to making music and, you know, how do we create systems that help you make good content? Um, and so that's what we really look for. Like the, the guys are like zero to you know, five years of their career is, you know, kind of introducing them to stuff. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people, people will be like, oh, my song got declined. And I'm like, yeah, but that curator who is a leading curator who has millions of followers on his playlist gave you feedback. You know, don't, don't get so upset that he declined your song take his feedback and you know really learn from that feedback because he's listening to top tier music you know if he's saying you should adjust this part or you should adjust that part you know that's really good feedback and that's more valuable than getting that playlisting spot in the first you know couple years of your career oh definitely i would 100 percent agree like you know mm -hmm. anyone who's just starting out not just like music industry anything else who's a top expert and they give you this feedback like hey it's not working because x y and z Rather than saying, oh, my God, you're horrible. You gave me a negative feedback. Be like, yeah, thank you so much for the criticism. And so I can improve yeah. it and then move on to that. So yep. I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely, man. So as far as creating content, so now let's jump back into the whole podcasting thing. How do you guys format your podcast? Do you guys do like a solopreneur where it's just you guys talking about stuff? Or is it like an interview base or you combination to two or what I also call is a 
pub podcast where you have like a whole bunch of people talking about specific topics. So what's the format of your uh, podcast? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we do an interview based format. Uh, it's Nick and I, we are the host and co-host. Uh, Nick would be the host. I'm the co-host. Um, I kind of more moderate. Maybe. Yeah, I, <laughs> I moderate the conversations just a little bit here and there. Um, and then we bring on an artist um, to the podcast and we do an interview with them, essentially. Um, but it's kind of like this, right, where it's just a couple of guys hanging out, just talking about the music industry. Right. Um, and, you know, what's cool about that is our guests range in, you know, levels of their career, right? We've had people who are brand new and we've had people that have been doing it for years. Uh, and it's great because it gives you this incredible perspective in a very round, like full, like full, geez, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, I can't think of the word, but you get a really good perspective on, you know, from the beginning all the way up to, you know, 10 years in. Uh, and then we also do interviews with uh, industry professionals, so managers, um, booking agents, things like that. So what are some of the conversations that you guys have had where it was like an eye-opening experience? You're like, you didn't even think about that because it was like so low of importance level. You're like, guys, we got bigger fish to fry. This is like not important. <laughs> what about, has that happened to you yet? Yeah, I mean, there every I think every week when we talk to somebody, we get this beautiful little nugget of information that we've never got before. Um, I know... I can't think of anything off the top for myself, but I know at one point we were interviewing somebody and they started talking about um, some of the services um, outside of Artist Republic that offer artists. Um, oh, Nick, what was it? What did they call it? Like ASCAP. It's ASCAP and BMI. Um, and Nick didn't know too much about that. And so that was kind of one of the things for him. Um, I could let him elaborate a little bit more on that. I was going to say, I think one of the, the one of the aha moment ones for me was uh, we're talking to this guy and he was telling us about, you know, devious ways that he uh, got streams. Yeah. And uh, one of his ways was he would upload a song with like the, he, there was, there was a guy that was releasing a song and the album didn't come out. Okay. And, and on time. And he was supposed to release his song at the same time. So what he did is he renamed his album to that guy's album that was so oh, it's Frank out. Ocean. Yes, Frank Ocean. So when everyone was searching Frank Ocean album, his album was popping up and they thought he was Frank Ocean and he was boosting his streams on SoundCloud through the roof. Um, and I was like, you know, yeah, that's really bad. But at the same time, that's really good. And I got to give you the credit for being creative because like things like that do work. Like he was always saying, like I got feedback where it's like, this isn't Frank Ocean, but this is fire. Uh, where he was like, people were literally like, this isn't it, but I still like the content. Um, and so I think that's cool. You're really seeing these perspectives from like a lot of these different artists that like are successful in their own ways. Um, and they all have a different way of being successful. Um, you know, some use shows, some use streaming, some use, you know, other areas. Um, you know, like one of one of the guys we have on the show is, you know, I would say a pretty successful independent artist, but he's not independent artist. He's not successful from his music itself. His music is growing, but it's growing because he became successful on YouTube and growing his YouTube career on, you know, this other engaging content and then using that content to grow his music career. 
And so, yeah, it's just interesting to see that whole balance. Yeah, definitely the personal brand thing is like you are good at one platform, the other yeah. transferring from that platform to another platform becomes so much easier. You know, it's like just mind blowing. Like, for example, yeah. what you call Michelle Obama. Obviously, she's everybody knows who Michelle Obama is. She just got into the podcasting world. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, she has a podcasting and everything else. So it's like, yeah, definitely agree with that. So, yeah, because yeah, she made it as a, you know, first lady and now she's transferring that right over. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's what he's doing with his you know, music is, you know, he made it, he wasn't getting any traction on the music and then, you know, launched a successful YouTube page and now he's just transferring it right back. Um, and it, it's working. I mean, when we and him became friends, he had, you know, 13 monthly listeners and he has like 80,000 now. Um, and so, and you know, it's only been three or four years. Um, and the guy's insanely talented. So that's the thing is he had the talent. Um, right. He just needed to get the views. Um, and it was, you know, how is he going to get those views? And, you know, it's, it's just interesting to talk to a lot of these guys and see how it all works. Everyone has their own way of, you know, marketing and growing their music. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. If you start speaking to other people, there are so many different ideas that come along. Like one of them is like, it's kind of slick, but at the same time in business, anything that works, let it flow kind of thing, you know? Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it, it's a nice little I, marketing technique. I mean, it's the thing with startups. Like, I mean, a lot of, you know, a, a music artist is a startup technically. Um, and, you know, you kind of get away with stuff when you're, you know, smaller and, you know, need to, you know, kind of bend the rules. I mean, you think about Facebook. What did Facebook start as? It started as hot or not. Like, you know, it, it started as a sketchy app that was very demeaning. And, uh, but it blew up. But it worked. Um, and then it became this billion dollar company. Um, and that's the same thing with a lot of artists. You know, they they start off by just hustling and figuring out what's gonna work, and then they transfer it over. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like one of the rules that I follow nowadays is like, if I wish I had followed that before, let's discover what full follow what rules that I cannot break, but not. By you not knowing the rules, you can move forward a lot faster. Yeah. And then you'll be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. I won't do it in the future, but I've already done it before. So whatever. It's in the past. Yep. Like going to this whole Facebook thing, you know, when I'm sure you saw the video on social network where mm -hmm. he crashed the whole server in Harvard University yeah. and everything else. So it's like, oh, let me see what rules I can't break and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Kind of thing. Well, yeah. And you know what? You say, all right, cool. It didn't, it, you know, but it got me the traction I needed. <laughs> exactly. Whatever, whatever I need at the moment, I got it. Now I'm gonna move on. I won't do it again. Slap on the hand. Off you go. I'll move on. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, all right, cool. So, where do you go find these particular artists? Do you go find them, or they come to you, or how does that process work? It's uh, it's, it's kind of a mix, really. Uh, when we first started, it was all reach out, um, just because we were just starting, right? Um, right. And we primarily reached out to our own personal network. So Nick, with his experience in the industry, knew a grip load of people, primarily in like the independent hip hop side. Right. Um, whereas I, my experience was in EDM. Uh, and so I knew a lot of people, DJs, producers on the EDM side out West. Um, so it was great because we had a variety of people that we could pull from. And then once we got that initial, you know, three, four, five people, we started talking to them and saying, hey, do you know anybody? And then right. they knew people who knew people who knew people. And now we have a substantial list of people that we're just going to be able to reach out to in the future. 
Have you gotten to the point where you're like, you're so backed up of like, oh my God, I spend more time podcasting now and interviewing it. And then it's like, oh my God, I don't have the time for this. I got other things I need to do. You know, it, it was getting to that point early on and then we, uh, we got an intern. And so she's been really helpful with uh, <laughs> getting all the podcasts out and everything. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, equilibrium. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you first started off, you're like, oh my God, I don't have enough people. I don't know. I don't, I don't know a lot of people. Then you get to the point where you have too many damn people. And then yep. it's kind of like, how do I manage this stuff? That itself is a task on its own. So in your case, you guys hire an intern. Okay. You know, that's awesome. But somebody who cannot hire an intern, is there a suggestion that both of you guys can do? I guess one of you can go first and the other one after that. Sure. Yeah. Nick, do you want to go first? I mean, I would say first things first, find a partner, um, you know, it, you know, not hiring an intern, but like going in on a podcast with someone, because guess what? When it gets busy, that means you can handle double the work than you can yourself. Um, I think the, the what made it tough for me and Christian was the fact that the podcast is not the main thing. Like I have to help Christian with a podcast, but then I also have to run a company. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, the podcast got overwhelming really quickly, not right. because of the podcast because of the fact that I also had a company to run. Yep. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the same thing with Christian. Cause I'd be like, Hey, I need you to develop 35 ads for our, you know, ad set next month. Oh, and Hey, we need, you know, two months of podcast content. Um, and, you know, he got to the point where he was like, Nick, I'm going to kill you. I think, I think the, my best advice for people is yes, a find a partner. Um, but B, you know, focus on what is valuable. I think I think a big thing that like we did that worked really well is we pre-record the podcast, we'll record, we'll do one day of recording like eight podcasts, anywhere from four to eight podcasts. And then we'll be like, okay, we have a month to two months of content. So now all we need to do is just edit them, schedule them and go live. And then we can chill for a month or two, um, so to say. And, you know, kind of just, you know, use that month to brainstorm you know, who are we connecting with? Who can we bring on and stuff like that? Then going forward, um, you know, that that's a good way to balance it. I also think the other thing is, you know, just hustle. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy where like, I'm so busy. When people tell me like, oh, I'm overstressed. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just prioritizing wrong. Um, like even me as in my day, um, you know, I'm, I'm still attending to classes. We're running the podcast, we're running the company. I was still sitting down this morning for an hour drinking coffee and watching The Office. Like, I still could have had another hour that I was doing work. Um, so, you know, I don't think anyone's ever 100% too busy where you're overwhelmed. Um, so, you know, I think you can, you know, learn from yourself from kind of like pushing yourself to the max or like if it is important, just do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think Nick really hit it on the head um, in a roundabout way, basically saying, you know, time management, time management, time management, time management. That is probably the most important thing for anybody who feels like they're getting overwhelmed with anything, you know, whether that be the podcast or just content or running a company. Um, you know, and one of the things that we were running into an issue was the time management section of it, right? We couldn't really figure out, or I couldn't really figure out the best way to knock out all the content that we're doing just with the podcast in addition to everything else with the company. Um, so one thing that I started doing was trying to automate things as much as possible. 
Um, so for our podcast, our YouTube, we do it in a, uh, a unique video format where we take the Zoom call and then we cut it up into an After Effects file that looks really pretty so it doesn't look like it was filmed in Zoom, right? Okay. Um, and then we also run advertisements for the podcast and we have a few different formats, right? Square, vertical, feed style. Um, and what I've been able to do over time is build up a template where all we have to do is drag and drop in the footage and we can hit export and we're done. And that's the automated process, right? It's just getting everything lined up so that you don't have as much work to do. And I think that that is hugely important, especially when you're trying to balance the load of a bunch of podcasts. I absolutely 100% agree with it. You know, it's like the more systems in place you have, the better flow of your work will be because if you just go at it, you know, somebody who just starting out be like, hey, I want to start this and let me figure out how do I record it. Then I got to figure out the software and then I got to figure out, you know, those things, whatever. So definitely have a system in place and the system that actually works is the one that works for you, not works for me, not works for you, the one that works for you. There's a standardized system, obviously, right? For example, if you, I will let you uh, answer this question. So let's say if you want to get somebody to book a podcast on your show, how, how does that process work? Do you use like a manual work or how does that work for you? Yeah, so the, the question is, just to clarify, uh, the question is how do we pretty much schedule out the people that we're doing our interviews with? Right. Um, so because it's um, peer-to-peer, it's network-to-network, um, we generally do a reach out via email or text if we're that close to them. And if they say yes, um, we work in Asana, which is this project management software, and I schedule them into that. And then when the time comes for us to actually schedule the day and time, I'll send them a follow-up and say, hey, this is the day that we're shooting. Are you available? And if so, what time? They send me their information. And then I write it into the schedule. And then what we do is we have a form set up in Google Forms um, with just a bunch of questions that will answer anything that we need in terms of post-production, right? So if they have a song that they want, if they need anything promoted during the podcast, their bio, things like that, kind of what you did for us, um, just a little bit more in depth. Um, And so then we send that to them with their information, with a Zoom invite and then it's ready to go it's all set up and then you know a day or two fall ready or jesus a day or two before uh i just send a follow-up and let them know hey just to remind you uh your podcast is coming up you know ready to see you we're excited and right. that's it yeah that's that's a great format to work with like i said everybody's system is different that works for you because the way that you run your business and the way that other people run your business, they just like for me, I, I just took the lazy way out to be honest with you. I just use I just use Calendly for everything in there. Anyone to book a time, just go there and book it and we're good. I don't have to touch it. Then I'll yeah. talk to them on the recording day and life is good. <laughs> That's just Great. me. Because you know, it's just like it I just don't have time for it. But just like yeah. anybody else, you know, it's just every system is different and every single system is not gonna work for every single person because of their business needs, there are things that they have going on, things like that. So that works for you works for me and if somebody who's listening now try out their system the, uh, the christian system and the nick system you know try that out if you want to try my system just use a calendar everything is smooth sail and that's for that you know try out whatever works for you different things in that nature so how much time do you guys actually spend on post-production i know you say you have a template boom 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 and it's done so it would be like an hour per episode or kind of thing or half an hour or how does that go or the various yeah, 
That's a great question. So with our current setup, how we do it, uh, we have a very large list of deliverables per podcast, right? It's the full video, it's the full audio, um, it's all the advertising, it's the graphics, the whole shebang. Um, but we have all of our templates set up. So once you drag and drop, everything is ready to go, you hit export. Um, if you don't count the export time, which usually takes about an hour, yep. um, let's say it probably takes us about an hour to two hours tops to get all of the content out mm -hmm. um, in post-production. Mm -hmm. All right, man. I want to know about this advertisement thing. You mentioned it a couple of times. So tell me about those advertisement things. You want yeah, to take it? Yeah, so, you know, one way that we get the podcast out there to the people, right? Of course, we have our, our organic reach on all of our social media platforms. Uh, in addition to that, we run paid advertisements through the uh, Facebook advertising uh, network. So we go in and um, I'm not sure how, you know, in tune you are with it and everything, but the reason that we have the different formats for our advertisements, you know, square, vertical, uh, feed is so that it can fit all 16 of the Facebook and Instagram placements gotcha. for an advertisement. Um, so you go in, you know, you make the campaign, the ad set, the ad, and then we just have a variety of different, um, you know, audience, uh, yeah, audiences that we can choose. And right now we're kind of in the refinement refinement phase of the advertising where we're just trying to figure out which, which one works the best. Gotcha. Uh, which which audience works the best? What creative works the best, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So is there like a budget limit that you guys spend on it, whatever? Or is that too proprietary information you want to share? If you don't want to, you could just like average it out or whatever. Yeah, or, I'll, let Nick, or, I'll let Nick take that one over since it's kind of his deal. What was that question? The question was like, is there a set limit of uh, uh, per episode, I guess, that you spend on advertisement to promote the artist or whoever is there? Yeah. Kind of thing. So we, we usually spend about $10 a day, um, okay. you know, not, nothing crazy. Um, I mean, Christian and in the, the podcast kind of side of the company is lucky um, because obviously it's a part of a bigger company. Um, and we have a, for Artists Republic alone, we have a massive marketing budget. Um, and so that helps a little bit. Obviously, you know, we, the 99% of our marketing budget needs to go to Artist Republic and, you know, the users and the marketing. Um, but we do have the ability to budget some of that to the podcast, which is nice. Um, so we do get a pretty significant amount of, you know, ad traffic and you're able to put $10 a day behind, you know, these podcasts and, you know, do comfortably, um, you know, spending $300 a month on, you know, podcast advertising without making a dime off the podcast um, and really just doing it, um, you know, for the content and the branding, um, because it's really built to grow the company, um, gotcha. not exactly you know be a standalone revenue generator. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. And you know what's great about our marketing efforts with the podcast is it's really getting a top of the funnel approach. So it, it, we're trying to nab the people who don't necessarily know what Artist Republic is yet. Um, but if they listen to the podcast and they're an artist who's looking for some way to make it in the industry, um, they can listen to the podcast and say, you know what, I kind of want to go check this thing out. And then they go to the website and then that may turn into a conversion um, for a sign up and then eventually, yeah. hopefully purchasing something on the website. So it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily not have an ROI, 
Um, That's what I was going to ask. Like, what's the ROI? Do you guys have a lead generation or just like go sign up for a platform and then that's how you do it? Or what's the process on that? Yeah. So, I mean, we have a call to action within the podcast that says, you know, come check us out. Um, But uh, at this point, we don't have a dedicated landing page that we can install a pixel on the website. Um, So we don't actually have the data to support if the podcast is actually creating any kind of conversion. Right. Unfortunately, but you know, it's one of those things. It's yeah, it's one of those things like for us, it's one of those like, it's like PR. (laughs) Um, We spend a a significant amount of money every month in PR for the company. And like PR is a great example of like, it doesn't get you tangible results. It gets you, you know, kind of the like, so for example, yesterday we debuted in Forbes. Um, We had the company debut in Forbes and the amount of people that are now accepting our PR requests is insane because just because Forbes said we're okay, everyone else says we're okay. And that's the same thing with the podcast is like you get 10 decent sized independent artists on it and all the artists that like artists public, if they look artists public, they see our podcast and they're like, oh, this artist talked to artists public. So they're aligned with artists public's brand and now I should be here. Um, and you know, it, it's kind of, you know, to that level of, you know, ROI, there's definitely a, uh, you know, that that's the kind of marketing that like, uh, I think a lot of people have trouble with is the, you know, the marketing that doesn't generate tangible results. You know, it's not like Facebook ads where you're like, I spent $10 and I got 15 conversions. This ad is making me money. Um, you know, these are kind of like the long-term play marketing tools that like, you kind of just have to put money behind and just keep putting out content and just kind of trust the direction um, and know that over, you know, a 10 year span, it's going to work. Um, and, you know, as long as you keep pushing at it. Um, and I think that's where, you know, the, the ROI for us comes in. Also for me, I work with software developers all day. Um, I love my team, um, but I'm a music guy. So being able, and I know Christian's the same way, being able to sit down and actually like talk to artists um, I think it has a great ROI in our sanity. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yep. that, yeah. Dude, dude, I, I am 100% with you because I, I am a software developer myself. That's how I build this whole platform yeah. thing. So I totally get it. It's like sitting behind the computer like, and you actually have a, you actually have another human being talk to us like, hallelujah. Yeah. So when my software developer talk to me, but I'm good. I've definitely, I've definitely gotten up there. Um, but still, you know, I was on a meeting last night and they were talking to me, we were talking about, you know, some cloud-based DB that we're trying to set up. And they're just like, they were, they were getting so into the weeds. And I'm like, all right, guys, if you don't need me, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, I, I, this is so over my head between the acronyms and the stuff like this. I'm like, I just want to sit down, talk about some music. Um, and, and it's also nice for us too, like exactly like what we were saying before, like the big ideas. Um, right. It kind of helps keep our pulse on the music industry. Um, and the biggest thing about Artist Public is it's built by artists for artists. Um, and so, you know, the more we can keep our pulse on the music industry, um, you know, the longer we'll survive. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I cannot emphasize this enough. The business side is a lot more important than the skill or the technical crap. I have been on the both side of the fence where I was a software developer, then I became an entrepreneur, then I realized like, 
I can hire somebody else to code, yeah. <laughs> but I, I cannot hire somebody else to run the business. Yes, it's the understanding. Um, and like I was literally talking to my girlfriend about this the other night. I was like, I've gotten to the point in my company where, you know, I probably work seven or eight hours a day on tap. But my other, you know, four to six hours of my 12, 15 hour work days is thinking. Like I have to be, it, it's, it's decision making. It's processing. It's like just mounted my new whiteboard and got three other whiteboards so I can scroll out on my floor and be like, okay, how am I going to design this? And like, no, that's not a tangible task, but that's 10 times more important because the tangible task I can hire someone to do. Uh, oh my God. I... And, yeah. And I think, I think in podcast world, uh, you know, a great example of that is Barstool. I always use Barstool as a lot of examples for a company to, you know, kind of replicate. And one of the biggest things I say to replicate is their structure. Um, okay. You know, Dave Portnoy is not the CEO. There is a reason Barstool is so successful. It's because Dave is not the CEO. Because now Dave can be the president. He can guide the company. Right. But he doesn't have to do anything. He can have the pulse on the industry and can live the Barstool life and understand what his consumers want and guide them. But he doesn't have to be in stock meetings and he doesn't have to be in board of directors meetings and he doesn't have to be handling legal documents and lawsuits and stuff like that. That's what the CEO does. So while the CEO is in the weeds, he can see the whole picture. Uh, and yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of a big thing, like working in your company versus working on your company. Right. Absolutely, man. A hundred percent agree with like, like hiring. Well, I guess, let me ask you this question. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, I don't know yet in your career yet. Uh, have you ever learned to say no to more things than you say yes? Yes. <laughs> I say no. I say no a lot, but I also say yes a lot at the same time. Um, right. I'm a I'm a very decisive decision maker. I'm a very quick decision maker, yep. um, unless it's a big thing. Um, but I'm also the kind of person to say yes and then no. So, in, in an example of like, I'll say yes, like Christian asked me something the other day, and I kept saying no, and then for like two months, and then he finally asked me again. He's like, "Hey, you told me to check in." And I'm like, "All right, you know what? Yes." but only for two times, try it twice, and then give me the result on it. Um, and so like we were actually having a debate with one of the developers the other day, um, and uh, we didn't come to an answer about it. I couldn't, you know, he had a really good point, I had a really good point, um, and neither of us were compromising. So I said, you know what? Give me four days to think about it. Um, went and got my whiteboard, started drawing shit all over the place. Um, and, uh, you know, now I'm like coming back and I'm like, okay, I think I'm starting to figure out how to say, you know, yes or no. Um, but I, I think in my old company, I, I said, I got to that point where I said no a lot. Um, I think artists probably still at the point, especially with stuff like this. Um, like I got asked yesterday after the Forbes article, we got invited, I got invited to like four or five podcasts and no, it shouldn't fit in my schedule, but it's like, it's good. It's good PR. So yes. Um, you know, I, I like to say yes a lot. I'd rather be over busy and say yes, then, you know, say no a lot. But, but dude, there's only 24 hours in a day. You need at least, <laughs> you need at least four hours to sleep. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Eh, eh, I don't know. You can push it sometimes. Um, oh, I, I, pu I push myself up to 41 hours. So I understand the whole no sleeping. I didn't sleep yeah. for 41 hours working on a project, but after that I hit the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, I will definitely say yes, a uh, decent amount, but I'll, I'll definitely say no a lot too. Um, and I think that's that's the job of the entrepreneur to know. You should know off the bat whether it's yes or no. Um, 
And I don't know whether it's a good or not, but I'm a huge gut guy. Um, my gut says no, I say no. Um, you know, if something just doesn't feel right, I say no. Um, so if it feels right, I'll say yes. Um, and then when it when it feels right, then it comes down to logic. Um, you know, what's the risk on this? What's stuff like that? Um, and really analyzing it based on that. But, you know, majority of my no's is because it's like something, something just seems weird. I'm going to say no. Okay. Fair, fair enough. The, I, I, I agree with you, the whole gut feeling, because you don't know it at the moment why the reason is, but the gut knows it based on your past experiences. Yeah. And then you're like, it's just instant gut feeling like, no, that's Some it. Or yes, are. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So Facebook advertisement obviously is working for you guys. Is there another platform that worked or Facebook is the only one that's working great for you? So it's funny you ask that. I actually have a marketing meeting tomorrow morning uh, with our marketing crew discussing Google. Because um, we are, we do use Google ads. Um, uh, I'm half and half on it, um, which is actually why we're having the meeting tomorrow. Because I think, you know, our Google ads are toned in. Um, and I think, you know, it, we're, we're working with an amazing firm, a top tier firm. And that's why I called the meeting. I said, to them, I said look, I go, this is nothing against you guys. I know you guys are really good. I go, but, you know, our conversion price on Google is about three times the amount of Facebook. And so that's when you have to sit down and you have to say, and that's when it comes back to the strategic positions of, you know, for every $3 that I spend on on Google for one conversion, I can get, you know, three on Facebook. So where is my best ad spend? And is it because the ads are shit? Well, no, because the ads are great. So is it, is my audience on Google? Um, you know, we tested Snapchat ads, kind of the same thing. You know, Snapchat ads had a pretty high conversion rate. Yeah, speaking, uh, of, speaking of Snapchat, I have so hard, like so many controversial things. Like Snapchat is good. You should go there. Other people, Snapchat is crap. Don't waste your time on it, whatever. What has your experience been or have you tried it yet? I think Snapchat ads is one of the best ads interfaces I've worked with. It's easy. It's very go to market. It's very user friendly. Um, I think they need to track, be able to track data a little bit easier. Um, okay. I think, you know, my experience, like me and you being technical guys, we can set up Snapchat pixel like that. Right. I think 90% of people that would be using it wouldn't know what the hell they are doing. Um, and because you actually have to install a code. Um, right. It's not Facebook pixel. They have all these fancy boxers. Um, and, but I, I think it's really good. But the problem is Snapchat ads is uh you're going to be good if you if you're a consumer, if okay. you're the NFL, if you're Pizza Hut. You know you can target late night snackers on Snapchat ads. You know they can target consumer bases um, and behavioral types, but you can't target music artists. You can target music lovers, um, can't target music artists. So if you want to sell concert tickets, I'd probably use Snapchat ads. If you want to you know market a new song, I'd use Snapchat ads. If you're trying to get the music artist, no. Uh, you know, we tried Spotify ads. Um, that was kind of the same thing. That's more listeners, uh, consumers than, you know, people. So it's really, I think you need to understand what your user base does and what your user base is um, and then understand where they are. Uh, you know, I think, for example, like we tried something on Snapchat. Uh, we tried using meme marketing um, because, you know, we did a study, you know, I guarantee 90% of our, you know, hip hop artist fan base uh, was following meme accounts um, and stuff like that. And so, you know, should you be using meme marketing? And then it comes down to the point of should you be using ads or should you be using influencer placements? 
should you be paying those meme accounts to advertise you or should you be advertising on them through a Snapchat? But I think people really, when you're looking at advertising, you know, markets, you need to understand how your user uses those platforms. And then once you understand how they use it, then you can understand, you know, where you should be marketing. Fair enough. Makes makes logical sense. Yeah. How about YouTube mark, uh, advertisement? Have you played around with that or is not yet? Because I would imagine the people who are artists, they go to YouTube. For you, yeah. it would be a little more beneficial because that's where your ideal clients are. I did in the beginning. Okay. The problem is YouTube video ads are expensive. They are, uh, yes. They are. But, but since you are just doing what they call the brand marketing where like, you're just getting your word out there, whatever, if you can create like a 20-second ad and it's only 20-second and if they watch, somebody watch it for 10 seconds, you don't get paid for it. I mean, you don't pay for it. It's like a free mm -hmm. brand thing, whatever kind of thing. If you're just going for the brand recognition, hey, we guys exist, and this is our name, and that's it. And 100 yep. people watch it, they'll be like, oh, these guys exist, kind of thing, whatever. Yep. Just to, just, just thought. I personally love YouTube ads, personally, mm -hmm. but over the yeah, Facebook or anything else. I would say one of the, one of the big ways that we chase uh, YouTube is uh, uh, actually like getting on influencer videos and stuff of that sort. Um, I love influencer marketing. I actually personally love micro-influencer marketing. Um, what is the micro-influencer? never heard of that before. Micro-influencer micro is the user between about 10... Uh, no, that's nano. Micro is about 20,000 followers to about 100,000. Okay. Uh, that would be a, a micro-influencer. Nano-influencers, you know, around 10,000 range. Uh, and then, you know, nano-nano. No, uh, but uh, no, micro-influencers are strong. Um, because I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, perfect example, I have 10,000 followers on my Instagram. I would consider it a nano influencer. Um, but though I, I average, you know, 1600 views on my stories. Um, and so, you know, those people trust me because they know me. And, you know, for example, like my girlfriend posted a, you know, picture of, you know, our Forbes article yesterday and she had 800 people view her story and 500 of them click the artist Republic you know, tag in her right. picture. That engagement ratio is through the freaking roof. <laughs> so that's that's the point where you had someone like Dan Bilzerian post that, you're gonna right. see more people. Oh yeah. But you're gonna get way less engagement. Right. Um, so nano influencers and micro influencers get higher engagement with a lower amount of money that you're paying out. You just have to pay for more people. Right, absolutely right. So, what would be the average cost for this uh, app? I guess you, I'll just call it. A, I don't want to confuse like a nano and mano and and meow and things in that nature. Just yeah. just call it an influencer marketing kind of thing. Yeah. Like an average rate would be what? I mean, it depends. You know, one of my buddy, one of our most successful marketing marketing uh, influencer ads, we paid a guy to you know build the record a video and then we were going to advertise it. Um, so we spend like $10 a day running the ad, $10, $20 a day running the ad. Um, it costs us 50 bucks to make the video. Um, okay. but I've also been, I've also been homies with him for years. Um, so I mean, it's a little bit different. Um, but you know, even, even one of my other buddies I was homies with, you know, he's a little bit bigger and it was about a hundred bucks. Um, but you know, it's nothing insane. Um, and, but what's actually interesting is the $50 video is running better than a hundred dollar one. Um, <laughs> But surprisingly, more even though the hundred dollar one is the he's bigger as an artist, right. the fifty dollar one more artists know of him because of his YouTube channel, and so it's interesting to see like how it all works. Um, 
but you shouldn't be paying more than, you know, 25, 40 bucks, you know, for a significant, uh, you know, micro influencer. Um, I'd usually pay 20 bucks, but you know, it depends who they are and you know, what, what they have for analytics and what they have for followers and who their followers are and stuff of that right. sort. Right. All right, cool. So now what I'll ask you, Christian, is like, for us, the content for your podcast, how do you go about creating it or like the format of your podcast? Is it more like just go with the flow with the artist or is it a specific bullet point question you ask or how does that work? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a mix, actually. Um, you know, I before I go into every podcast, I do a bullet point list of questions between five and ten okay. um, after doing a little bit of research just so that I can kind of remain on topic if we get a little bit too far off. Um, but generally speaking, we usually go on plenty of tangents with all of our artists. Um, it, it is very just go with the flow, kick back, relax, just talk about music, hang out. Um, and I think we've found success that way. You know, people, you know, a lot of the times they get into the podcast and they're kind of stiff, you know, they don't really know what to expect. And then right. after it's mostly Nick, who's talking to them casually, um, <laughs> after, okay. uh, after, you know, we kind of start talking to them and everything, they get a little bit more comfortable and then, you know, some curse words start coming out and they just, you know, they're just talking like we're hanging out. Right. It's like going to the bar, like, hey, give me a beer, and then we'll talk about whatever. You yeah. know, right. we got to solve all the world's problems in our hour-long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there a a person who you interview, your artist, that sticks out to you that, like, oh my god, that was inspiring for you, Christian? For me, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked Lilo Key. Uh, that one was just a fun interview to do. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier. He's the same guy who did the Frank Ocean album. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just said some stuff that went against the grain. And I'm not a very against the grain kind of person. I personally am very like, just follow the rules and you're good. But he, you know, he's a very against the grain kind of guy. And some of the things he said, it kind of, you know, changed my thought process. I'm like, you know what? Maybe going against the grain isn't that bad if you do it the right way. Yeah. Can you share some of that? Because I'm curious, what helped you to change your mind to go against the grain? Because I know some of the guys who are like, buy the book and they will not go against it. So what inspired you to do that? I'm just curious. Well, so, you know, I, I, I say that I am, I say that I am a very by the books kind of person, um, mm -hmm. but I'm also very open-minded. Um, okay. So if somebody poses an idea that I can get on board with, I'll change my opinion, right? No big deal. Um, so I think one of the things he was talking about uh, in the podcast was, uh, I think using, that's what it was. It was using somebody's song and like not paying for it, whatever, not paying the royalties for it. And um, I was like, you know, isn't that wrong? Like you shouldn't be doing that. Basically, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the conversation was saying, but it was to that effect. And uh and he's like, yeah, but, you know, it's one of those things where if you're small enough, like you're just going to get a slap on the wrist and they're not they're not going to like sue you in court for millions of dollars. If you have a thousand followers on Instagram, yeah. you know, they're just going to slap you on the wrist and say, hey, don't do that again. And at least it got you some leverage on your end um, and it didn't really do anything to harm them. Um, so I thought about that. and You know, it makes sense. Right. If I just get a slap on the hand, I'm, I'm good to go. 
Yeah, yeah literally, definitely, you know, I got plenty of slap on my hand many times, so <laughs> I totally agree with it. So yeah, the, that's, I guess that would be the golden rule. If you can get away with it, slap on the brakes, go do it. Right. Or you'd be like, yeah. or, you could, or you could say, I didn't know, sorry. <laughs> Just play, uh, play, play the card. <laughs> play down. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. All right, guys, so thank you, first of all, so much for being here. It's truly been a blast. And there's a couple of questions I want to ask you before we start apart. Is I'll start with Christian first. And what would be the question I want to ask you is, like, if you could, wherever you are right now in your life, if you can get, I don't know how you are, let's just assume for giggle's sake, you're 25. I don't know if that's what you're at, but let's just say you're 25 for now. You're on the dot. Oh, shit. What? <laughs> All right, 25 on the dot. All right, cool. All right, so uh, whatever you have learned up until now, if an 18 year old version, a younger version of yourself, for advice, what advice would you give him to get to where you are a lot faster? That is an amazing question. I'm, I'm a very introspective person and I always think about that kind of stuff. Um, and I would tell the 18 year old me, continue doing what you're doing because it's going to get you to where you're going. Um, the thing is, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my life right now if all of the things that preceded it didn't happen, the good and the bad. Um, I'm not the kind of person that dwells on the negative things that happen in my life. I use them as inspiration and, you know, the reason for why I am where I am today. Um, you know, I was in the military and I got stationed somewhere that I didn't want to get stationed right out of tech school. And I know for a fact, I would not be sitting here talking to the both of you if I got stationed at the place I wanted to go. So my, my path in life is defined by the good and the bad. And that's what I would tell my 18 year old self. Awesome. That's really good, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. How about you, Nick? Same question. I'm going to go the same way. Uh, I I'm I would not change a single thing that has happened in my life. Um, the past eight years have sucked. Um, they have absolutely horribly sucked. But they made me exactly who I am today. Um, and I'm a firm believer in the the belief that like if you, to succeed you have to fail. And I have failed epically so many times. Um, I have probably, you know, I, by this point I've started four or five different companies. Um, this is like really the second one that's like really legit. Um, but those first companies, like I started, like I, I, my first company I started, I was in, I was in fifth grade. I started a duct tape wallet business. Really <laughs> for um, but you know, I, I was learning stuff ever since then. And, but the, you know, the first company I got into when I was in the music industry, um, was I was hosting concerts my freshman year in high school. I, I failed. I blew my first concert. I had 500, it was a 500 cap venue and 30 people showed up. I bombed. And, but I, I wouldn't change that because it, it, that made me so motivated to go back the next year. And I did, I sold it out the next year and got banned from the music venue for life. It was so lit. Um, and you know, that then led to the next things and then the next things. And, you know, I, I think everything I've done and every time I've failed, um, has taught me a different lesson. And, you know, every email that I sent when I was younger and didn't know how to sell, you know, how many people rejected me, I learned how to sell. Um, you know, in, in the you know most modest way, I say I'm a very good at selling people, but that's because for eight years I sucked. 
Um, and, you know, I just slowly got better through failure of learning like, okay, I just sent 200 emails and none of them answered. So I got to change this. Um, and then you start figuring out, you know, how it's going to change that. And, you know, I think everything I've ever done and every time I've gotten, you know, yelled at or, you know, kicked out or, you know, banned from venues, you know, whatever, you know, I, I've learned from failure what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, you know, some because someone asked me the other day, they're like, you know, what books do you read as an entrepreneur? I was like, I, I truly have never read a book. Uh, I've never read a book on entrepreneurship. Um, I kind of just do it. And if I fail, I fail. And then, you know, I keep going. But every single thing I've done has led me up to this point. Like, um, I think I think the craziest story is um, I got rejected from my number one college that I wanted to go to. So I went to my number two. And the first night of my number two at orientation, I met this girl that I like, was really cool, really cool friend. And she introduced me to her friend who also hosts a concert. She's like, oh my God, like you guys should be friends, you host concerts. Blah, 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 my concert company, I closed it because I was at school and he texted me and was like, hey, you know, can you run my Instagram marketing for my concerts? If he didn't text me, I would have never realized how much money was in Instagram marketing. And I would have never started my Instagram marketing agency. And um, if I never started that, you know, that would have never given me the full perspective of the, you know, the industry. Um, that would have led me to come up with formulating the idea of the problem. And then if I didn't go to the school, I would have never met the mentor who was building a software himself and gave me the idea to build a music software. And so you look at this rejection from the college, um, bringing to this other college. I met someone who helped me start a company, who helped me bring an idea to start another company. And now my lead investor in the company who you know has helped us got to this point is actually an alumni of my university. Um, you know, if the university never, you know, sent the email letter out about my company, he would have never heard of it. Um, and we would have been dead probably by March. Um, and uh, so it, it's interesting. And, you know, I think I wouldn't have changed anything about that. Well, that's definitely 100% good with you. Like the failure, 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 and then you succeed. And the failure is what really builds character. Like I learned how to cook by learning like for example i was making one indian dish whatever like boil a, what you call a lentils and i accidentally i didn't even know that you when you're boiling something you should stay in the kitchen and not go take a shower <laughs> and and then i came back in the kitchen the whole kitchen was full of smoke like i'll learn how not to burn the kitchen that day yep, yep, exactly yep. <laughs> so yeah. i was like okay now if you're cooking something stay in the same same kitchen that you're in and then make sure you're near the stove and so that way you don't burn the kitchen <laughs> yeah yeah man <laughs> all right so next question for you both of you guys uh, you can pick who wants to go first that would be cool so who wants cool. to go first cool. christian you, you know go. what all right i'll take it all right, cool. So what is that one thing you guys can do to take your company to the next level a lot faster? Everything that you know now. Everything that I know now. So this is definitely more of a Nick question, but I'm going to give it from my perspective in the sure. content creative realm of things. Um, okay. You know, six months ago, we were running advertisements off of templates that we found online just because we didn't have the manpower to create our own from scratch. Um, and now six months, fast forward six months to today, all of the ads that we've been creating have been all done by hand by myself or by our intern. Um, and I think, you know, to propel ourselves into the future faster, right. Would be to just continue this, you know, this trend of creative content 
development from the ground up, you know, not using somebody else's ideas, using our own ideas and continuing to tell stories, right? I think, you know, a lot of people in the music industry are very into stories and that's with most creative industries, of course. Um, but with music, people want to tell their story. Um, artists who want to be on our platform want to tell their story. And in order to, you know, have our content resonate with those people, we have to be also telling stories. Um, and so for us, you know, moving forward, um, it's going to be a big push on the content side to tell stories from artist perspective. Okay. How about you, Nick? My answer is going to be simple and quick. Uh, my, my way that I level up the company, it would be the same way I've, I've done it up until this point and done it, you know, anywhere else before, which is, I like to ask myself every day, are we 1% better than we were yesterday? If we are 1% better than we were the day before, then we are making progress. I tell my development team that every day. I tell Christian that every day and it works. The content gets 1% better every single day. The development team gets 1% better every day. The website gets 1% better every single day. And our attitudes, our revenue, as long as we are getting 1% better than the day we were before, sooner or later, we're going to succeed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I follow the same principle. 1% mm -hmm. increment every single day, but at the end of the month, you're going to be like 1,000% better. Yeah. Which exactly. is a huge, huge ROI. on stuff. Yep. So. All right, guys. So first of all, thank you so much for being here, taking the time in your busy schedule to being here with me, spending the time. It's truly been a blast, man. Every time I do this, I'm like, it's truly been a blast. But this time, it's truly been a blast. So there's two of you guys. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, hell yeah, man. <laughs> I want to say thank you for having us on. It's been a pleasure for sure. Yeah, awesome, it's been man. awesome. Thank you all so right. much. All right, man. I will let you know when this goes live, and then we can rock and roll. Awesome. All right, sounds good, Mark. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much.